welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. Uh, I'm Brady. And today we're here to review, uh, to talk about minute number 20 of Jurassic Park and get our first look at a dinosaur. Brady, how are you doing today? Doing good. How about you? I'm doing pretty awesome, man. Pretty awesome. Uh, just excited about this minute of Jurassic Park. I know. It's yeah. A, it's a big one. It was a hell of an experience being in the theater and seeing this movie. And witnessing CGI for the first time yeah. in all of its glory. Yeah, yeah. Now, there had been some CGI previous to this. There was the, uh, I guess, water tentacle in the abyss. In the abyss, yeah. The uh, T-1000 yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. manipulating, like, actual um, tangible, you know, elements that we're familiar with, like a floor and things like that. And now, I want to say the last Starfighter, I think the some of the Starfighters in that were CGI. Mm-hmm. And then I think maybe the very first... Young Sherlock C- Holmes. Your own young Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. yeah was there, there was a knight that was made out of stained glass. Stained glass, yeah. yeah. Uh, but nothing on the level of this. Nothing nothing on the level of this that had been to this scale, this size. And I mean, they, they came out swinging. They, right, yeah. Uh, they didn't hold back. And I think it's interesting that... Um, we're getting our first look at CGI and all of its, you know, perfect now perfected glory uh, with a brachiosaurus, which yeah. I think is like the most majestic animal that they could have possibly used. And also one of the first creatures in the world. Maybe it's cool that the very first uh, CGI stuff was done yeah, with dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, we've talked about this dinosaur enough. Do you want to go ahead and get onto the minute? Let's do it. Let's do it. In the previous minute, we saw the jeeps that carry the guests from the helipad while Hammond and Gennaro discussed the safety precautions that have been put in place. As the minute ended, the jeeps crossed a grassy hill. At minute number 20, the jeeps continue to drive over large grassy set of hills. John Hammond stands up in the back of one of the jeeps and tells the driver to slow down and stop. The driver slows down the jeep as Gennaro reads over notes. At 20.08, the second jeep also slows down as Ellie looks at a giant leaf in her hands. At 20 minutes, 10 seconds, we cut to a side shot of the jeep as Dr. Alan Grant looks out and notices something strange. The camera pushes in on him as he slowly processes what he sees. Dr. Ian Malcolm also sees whatever Grant has noticed. Both men cannot understand what they are seeing. Grant removes his hat as his jaw continues to open in awe. Grant stands up in the jeep and fumbles to remove his glasses. His eyes are wide open, mouth agape. At 2028, we cut to a shot of Ellie continuing to stare at the leaf she grabbed earlier. She tells him that this species of veriformin has been extinct since the Cretaceous period. As she talks to Grant, he reaches into the front seat and turns her head with his hand. At 2035, as Grant turns Ellie's head with his hand, she drops her mouth open in awe. Ellie also stands up in the jeep. She cannot believe what she sees. At 2043, we cut to a shot of the Jeep, where Grant, Malcolm, and Ellie are all staring at a Brachiosaurus. At first, all we see is the creature up to its shoulders. The camera follows the dinosaur as it walks right and chews on some branches that it has in its mouth. It ignores the Jeep. At 2052, Grant and Ellie get up out of the Jeep in order to get a closer look at the dinosaur. So there we see it, the first dinosaur in the movie, a Brachiosaurus, which is uh, quite a sight to behold. I think they definitely picked the best dinosaur to have shown to the audience I think so you know one because it's um, the the largest creature to ever walk the face of the earth yeah the scale of the um, damn thing yeah and two it's um, just it's reveal and this is the first time in the movie you get to hear the Jurassic Park theme John Williams amazing theme yeah and uh, it's it's just what a moment you know, I don't know. It's, yeah. hard, it's hard to put into words. It, there's a lot of awe in this scene, not only by the characters, but as a viewer seeing it for the first time, it's really something to behold. Uh, and it's, you know, still stands out as some of the best CG I think I've ever seen yeah, as well. I don't absolutely. think that I'm looking through the glass, you know, with rose-colored glasses or however you say the saying. Uh, I think that it actually still holds up very well. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, 
And I think it's it's interesting how they drive up kind of to the edge of some wooded area so that the thing, you know, that's how they don't see it at first. Yeah, I didn't really like get that it. until I was watching this. I kind of thought it was a bit of a flaw. And, you know, it looks like they shot the shots of the Jeep maybe somewhere else because there's a shadow on the Jeeps when they're by the trees. But I always wondered why they didn't see this thing from so far away. Yeah, it's it's that kind of small but wooded area that yeah. it would have been like, I don't so know, It was kind of it. hiding in there. Yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. that's a very important touch. Um so let's talk a little bit about those Jeeps. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about the Jeeps. The gas-powered Jeeps are uh, 19, 1992 Jeep Wrangler Saharas. And I've actually seen some people who uh, have modified their own yeah. with the Jurassic Park logo and the paint and everything. There's a website called JurassicJeep.com. Oh, cool. Yeah, they do. That's, I don't know. All, the entire website's dedicated to the uh, cars in Jurassic Park, which is interesting. Wow. And the Jeep that Hammond and Gennaro are in actually showed back up in Jurassic World. It's the one that the kids uh, steal out of the um, garage. Power, oh, really? Power back up and take out. Yeah, it's Jeep number 29. 29, because the other one I think is 18, 18, right? yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the one. And it's also sitting right next to 29 huh. in the garage in Jurassic World. So I thought that was a neat little callback. Man, that, that Jeep Wrangler has not changed in its design one bit, has yeah. it? You could look at that car from like the 1960s to like the ones right now, and they're, and they're still almost exactly the same. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool car. Yeah. So the driver of... The Jeep that Grant and Ellie and Malcolm are in is a stuntman, and his name is Brian Smurz. I hope I'm getting the pronunciation of his last name right. But uh, he's actually a stuntman who was in Jurassic Park, Minority Report, Back to the Future 3, Speed. So so our buddies uh, Scott and Nick over there at Back to the Future Minute might have uh, some info on him. Um, so yeah, it's it's his reaction too when Malcolm says that crazy son of a bitch, he actually did it is hilarious. Yeah, he just kind of slowly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> turns and looks at him. <laughs> So, um, aside from looking uh, into information about the Jeeps, I actually looked into information about their sunglasses. Yeah, tell me I, about I them. really like Ellie's sunglasses, actually. Uh, she's wearing Ray-Ban Erica Tortoise model, and mm-hmm. he is wearing, Grant is wearing the uh, Ray-Ban Aviators. So, they got Ray-Ban Aviators that they yeah. could have just walked into any sort of like CVS and gotten lookalikes for exactly. them. Exactly. just as fine. No, that's cool. Yeah. So, in doing that bit of research, I actually found that there's a Facebook page called facebook.com slash Alan Grant's Sunglasses in Jurassic Park. Oh, my Park. God, really? Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 I, <laughs> tell I, me about it. I didn't have time enough to stay around and investigate it, but uh, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, aside from, uh, you know, just unveiling CGI in the most epic way that they could, I, I really don't have a whole lot more about this minute. Tell me about your thoughts on the uh, John Williams score for this movie. Just it's it's strange in some points, but it, it almost seems like maybe something he had laying around that was really mm-hmm. well done, but maybe didn't have a movie to use it in. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, no. His the score for this film is absolutely amazing. It's iconic, and whenever Jurassic World came out, the theme for Jurassic Park had more downloads than any other song on iTunes. Yeah, so. It's just uh, a timeless, timeless score. And it's got a couple of different themes throughout the movie. Right. And then and then there are some points that are just kind of, I don't know, a little strange. We'll get to them whenever they come around. But yeah. uh, but for the most part, the um, the score in this film is something I'll never forget. I mean, you, anyone finds who's familiar with it finds himself walking around just humming this, this tune all yeah. the time. I agree completely. Just kind of feels a little out of place. You know, like the scores for Harry Potter by John Williams. I mean, John Williams, composer of, of the 20th century, right? Like mm-hmm. he's the guy. Yeah. I'm a more of a James Horner guy myself, but you know, John Williams, you cannot argue with the fact that he is, his, his canon is, is, 
yeah. know, is is more prominent than anybody else's. Superman, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, uh, those Jaws. I mean, those all feel on. like they belong in the movie. Yeah, Jurassic Park to me doesn't really feel like it belongs in the movie. But, How so? Uh, it it so it has like this sweeping sense of awe in this scene right here, which I kind of get. But Jurassic Park is also kind of a science fiction action movie, and the dun 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 dun. It's a little bit mm-hmm. you know like uh, almost parade like in a lot of ways, and okay. I kind of felt like maybe it was something he came up with that was great, but it didn't fit any particular movie you know like it always felt to me like the jurassic park score was made up of pieces that he thought or that everybody loved and they didn't have a movie to fit for, for. so they were like let's just go ahead and put it in here yeah like you might have had them laying around yeah yeah something. i mean like when, when i think of like the harry potter score like that is harry freaking potter yeah it's so perfect for it the there is a moment then i guess since you're on that saying that some of the, some of it just feels a little out of place to you uh when Grant and the kids are in the tree later on in the movie, and the Brachiosaurus comes in and they're feeding it. The, the, it's a strange scene, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, just think of it as kind of a big cow. The whole thing is just a little too. I don't know. It's ha- not the strongest scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah, I don't hold it against it at all. But the music in that is is I don't know. It's just a little strange. Um, but I don't know. The, the yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. So. I want to talk about the Brachiosaurus for a little bit here. Sounds and I'm good. not talking about the actual one from the movie, but the, the dinosaur itself. So Brachiosaurus is a genus of sauropod dinosaur. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. From the uh, Jurassic Morrison Foundation of North America. It was first described by Elmer S. Riggs in 1903 from fossils found in the Grand Canyon River of western Colorado in the United States. Riggs named the dinosaur Brachiosaurus alithotorax. I think it's, I'm, I'm, I think I'm saying that right. I think that I'm saying that right. If you're a paleontologist out there and you listen to this, I, I, I formally apologize, but uh, we're doing the best we can here with the tongues that God gave us. Declaring it, he declared it the largest known dinosaur. Brachiosaurus had a disproportionately long neck, small skull, and large overall size, all of which are typical for sauropods. However, the proportions of Brachiosaurus are unlike any other sauropod. The forelimbs were long Longer than the hind limbs, which resulted in a steeply inclined trunk, and its tail tail was shorter in proportion to its neck than other sauropods of the Jurassic period. So that's a little bit interesting there. I I think it's it's definitely the right dinosaur to show first in CGI. I think it definitely um, gets the scale of this movie right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really kind of like there's a sense of wonder about it. It's it's, if they had walked out and saw like a hydrosaur, I think. Yeah. Something closer to the ground. Yeah. I think the fact that it is high off the ground also adds to its kind of majestic quality. Yeah, and you know, the, when you're shown the dinosaurs in this movie, you're shown them at perfect points. You're shown the Brachiosaurus when you're meant to be wild. You're shown the T-Rex when you're meant to be wild but scared out of your mind. Uh, you know, you're ready for it at that point. The Velociraptors come on after that, and it's great to put the, uh, the, Velocis, uh, the Velociraptors on when they are because you need something that's a little bit more... Uh, scary on a level that you can understand. Like a, a, yeah. a, it, it's smarter dinosaur. It's not a bigger dinosaur at That's that right. point. So a little more information about the Brachiosaurus is they were prom- they are predominantly found in North America. I want you to try and process this. The Brachiosaurus, as you know it, is based on a subadult find. So the actual adult Brachiosaurus could have been bigger than really? what you see. Yeah. And uh, as of the finds right now, they are generally 85 feet long, 55, excuse me, 50 feet tall, and 30 to 80 tons. Oh, my God. It's, it's so hard to believe that there were any trees left yeah. anywhere with the, the amount that those things must have had to eat on a daily basis yeah. to sustain so. their weight. So, um, yeah. So, I have, I have a couple other interesting facts here. So, the, the brachiosaurus we're here in the scene in the movie here, the audio used to create it was a combination of a whale and a donkey sound. God. Uh, you can kind of hear the whale in it, but uh, yeah. the donkey, I guess it's the hee-haw. <laughs> uh, yes, you can kind yeah. of hear it there when it when it makes its, uh, its kind of bellow here in a few minutes. But uh, And another little funny fact here, Richard Attenborough won the Oscar for directing Gandhi 
uh, the year that he beat out beat out Steven uh, Spielberg for directing E.T. E. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that he uh, beat Steven Spielberg and then he comes back to act in his movie. Yeah. So I thought it was funny. Uh, Laura Dern has uh, frequently talked about how someone will ask her, like, how did you play, you know, your reaction to seeing a dinosaur and the Brachiosaurus in this opening scene? She's like, well, it was, it was particularly difficult because I was actually looking at someone holding a tennis ball on mm-hmm. a giant stick. I mean, you know, that's funny because you do get kind of some of the first CGI acting in this too, you know, uh, people that are kind yeah. of told like, that's a real skill you have to have. You see some movies where someone, the actor cannot work out in their imagination what it is they're supposed to be looking at. Mm-hmm. In a movie like, I think Saturday Night Live made fun of that with Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow where Jude Law uh, was uh, the guest on that. Mm-hmm. Just uh, how a director would come in and be like a green set and there'd be a guy there in a green sock suit and they'd be like, okay, look at this. It's going to be like, I don't know, a robot or a Nazi monster or some sort of gorilla. I don't know. We're going to do it all in post. you know. And then they hit him in the face with tennis balls and he'd just yeah. have to react to this. But it really does take a special skill to be like, you really have to be Will Smith on a Will Smith level of acting. The guy was used to it from day one where they came in and they're like, all right, here's a bunch of tennis balls. Uh, here's some pre-rendered art of what we think it's going to look like. Go ahead and react to it how you would. Yeah. I think it's funny because it was another Michael Crichton movie, but in Sphere, Samuel L. Jackson said that until he saw the movie, he didn't know the Sphere was gold. Gold, yeah. He was like, well, I was reacting to it as if it were silver. Uh, yeah, so that's the, you, the acting that you see in them kind of like looking in awe, just kind of like mm-hmm. mouth yeah, agape. Her, that's, her response is amazing. Yeah. It's very believable. Okay, so she mentions the the leaf that she pulls from the tree as the uh, veriformant leaf that has been extinct since the Cretaceous period. Well, I've I've always wondered, and you brought this up in a previous episode. How did they get you know extinct plants back, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. and what have you? Um, in some of the uh, viral marketing stuff for Jurassic World, it talks about how Doctor Wu created something called the Wu Flower. Really? Yeah, he was able to create a plant as well as like a living creature. So. I just kind of tie up, you know, that whole question for myself, uh, you know, with the fact that he is capable of doing plants as well as animals. So, all right. We got anything else for this minute? No, that's it for me. All right, great. So let's go ahead and get out of here. Tomorrow we'll be back with minute number 21 of Jurassic Park Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute.